Our sermon passage today will be in John 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father, would you speak to us from your word? Spirit of God, would you open our minds to uh, understand? Would you open our hearts to be shaped by you? Lord, would you help me to speak your word to your people? We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bible, turn to the book of John, chapter 3. Here at Redeemer, we are approaching a few weeks of sermons a bit differently than we normally do. So rather than working consecutively through a book of the Scripture, um, we are considering a theme in the Scripture, and the theme is the kingdom of God. Now, here's the challenge. There is not a chapter and verse that defines the kingdom of God for us. There's not a quintessential passage that that says this is what you need to know about the kingdom and this is what the kingdom is and this is how you live for the kingdom. So what that means, as often things are with the Bible, is we have to consider several passages that will give us the essential truths and the essential reality about the kingdom of God. So our goal over the next today and the next five weeks 
is this. What are the essential truths that the scripture gives us about the kingdom of God so that we can know what it is, we can long for it, we can pray for it, and we can live for it. So last week, we actually looked at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And what the Lord's Prayer shows us is that Jesus calls on disciples to pray for the coming of the kingdom regularly. Which means that we as disciples of Jesus are are called to long for the kingdom, to live for the kingdom, to pray for the kingdom. So that was kind of truth number one that's going to hold up our understanding of the kingdom. Truth number two we're going to look at today, it comes from John chapter 3 that Emmy just read for us. And what this passage really does is it it answers this question, who are the people of the kingdom? Who are the people of the kingdom? And if you just want the really short answer, because you just want to give me a couple moments of your attention, those who believe in Christ are the people of kingdom, of the kingdom. There's no other way to enter the kingdom of God except by faith in Jesus. That's what John 3 is going to tell us. So, the main point this morning, the the kingdom of God is entered through Christ and requires the work of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is entered through Christ faith in Christ, and requires the work of the Holy Spirit. So the first point, if you want to take notes, kingdom entrance. Kingdom entrance. Now, let's define some terms. Kingdom of God, that's a nice, wordy, meaty, theological phrase. What do we mean? The kingdom of God, as it unfolds in the scripture, is the realm of God's rule over God's people to carry out God's purposes. So it's the realm of God's rule over his people to carry out his purposes, which would imply it is of great blessing to belong to the kingdom. So the question that John 3 begins to answer for us is, who can enter the kingdom of God? Or to whom does the kingdom belong? Now, this passage is a very, very common passage. Most of us, one of the first scriptures that we ever considered was John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What's going on here is actually a conversation. And the conversation is between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is not just any other man. Nicodemus is a Jewish man. Nicodemus is a 
a man of the Pharisees, meaning he's one of the teachers of the Jewish people, and that would also put him in a realm of leadership over the Jewish people. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus to have a conversation. And Jesus immediately shakes the apple cart in this conversation with Jesus. So verse 1 says, Nicodemus came to him. He came by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus gives Jesus a compliment. The things that you do say God's with you. And in classic Jesus form, he says, okay, let's just go right to the heart of the matter. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, as a good Jewish leader and teacher, would have expected that because he was a child of Abraham, he was, because he was a child of Abraham, living through the old covenant before God and leading God's people to long for the coming of Messiah, Nicodemus, along with all the people of the age, would have assumed that he was ready for the coming of the kingdom. That, that, that the kingdom to be established when Messiah came was for people like Nicodemus, those who are of Abraham, those who are Jewish, those who are walking in the right ways and gathering in the right ways and waiting for God to bring his deliverance. And Jesus shakes the apple cart and he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. And, and we, we do this with Jesus' words. We go, oh, that's so pithy. Born again. Mm, that's good, Jesus. I wonder what you mean by that. Nicodemus didn't, this is what Nicodemus heard. Oh, he's saying that the first birth ain't enough. My redneck was on purpose there, by the way. Okay. Nicodemus heard this. Oh, he's saying being born a physical descendant of Abraham doesn't make me a member of the kingdom. I need something else. So just in case Nicodemus maybe misunderstood, verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb in a second time and be born? Jesus answered, verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born 
That's unequivocal. Jesus is saying to enter the kingdom, to see the kingdom, to understand the kingdom, one must experience second birth. One must experience new birth. One must experience spiritual birth. One must be redeemed and washed clean and made whole by the Spirit of God. What Jesus is really saying to Nicodemus in verse 7 is you're not ready for the kingdom. And, And he used the plural you. You all, you guys, all of you are not ready for the kingdom as you came into this earth. You need the second birth. All people do. Jewish people do. Religious Jewish people do. The teachers of the religious do. Everyone needs a work of God to enter the kingdom of God. We don't happen into it. We don't accidentally experience it. We must be, in the words of John chapter 3, born again. Now, let's consider this a little more closely. Look back at verse 3. Jesus said, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So second birth, new birth, spiritual birth is required to enter the kingdom of God. And then verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So how does one enter? How does one become the people of God, walking in the blessing of God, to carry out the purposes of God? How? Jesus says, to be born of water and the Spirit. Now, there are two ways that this has historically been understood, this phrase, water and the Spirit, and both of them get us to where we need to be. One way to understand this is that born of water could speak to um, natural, physical birth, and born of the Spirit could speak to this second birth. I don't think that's how we interpret it, but if that's how we interpret it, it gets us to the point, right? Being human alone, being of some particular descent, some particular people group, some particular religious group, being that alone doesn't get you into the kingdom. The kingdom is for those who believe. It's for those who are identified with Jesus as Messiah. The kingdom is for those who've been given new life. So that'd be one way to interpret that. Here's the second way to interpret that that I think is more right, particularly since Jesus was speaking to a religious leader and then chastising him for not understanding the scriptures that he taught. And that would be this, that born of water in the spirit is actually an intentional reference to the prophet Ezekiel's testimony about the great restoration when Messiah comes. Now you might go, well, I don't get that. That's right. But he's speaking to Nicodemus, religious leader, religious teacher, on a, a level that, they, that he can understand. 
So in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn over there. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. Ezekiel is prophesying about the, the God's return, about the coming Messiah, about God making all things new, and, and ultimately, we could say, bringing kingdom to bear. And listen to what God says through Ezekiel, beginning in verse 25 of Ezekiel chapter 36. I will sprinkle clean Water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. So, Ezekiel 35, excuse me, 36, verse 25 promises that God will cleanse through metaphorical water, He will cleanse his people from their sinfulness and turn them back to him, born of water. Verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here, God says, I will take out your dead heart and give you a living heart, and I will put my spirit within you, and my spirit will change who you are, giving you new desires and new longings. This is the kingdom coming. When Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27 is playing out. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I think what Jesus is saying is, unless one experiences Ezekiel 35, or 36, 25 through 27, and this similar language from the prophets, one will not be people of God. One will not be kingdom people. One will not be those who walk in God's blessing under God's authority to carry out God's purposes in God's world. To enter kingdom is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is making this abundantly clear to Nicodemus right out of the gate. Okay, I take the bait. How do I become born again? How do I become born of water and the Spirit? Verse 8 says, the Spirit has to work. Verses 9 through 14 say this. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to give eternal life, synonym for entering the kingdom, to give the kingdom 
to all who believe in him. Nicodemus says in verse nine, how can these things be? Jesus said, look, you're a teacher and you don't understand. I'm telling you, we speak what we know, what we've seen, and this is our testimony. The son of man, that's Jesus, must be lifted up and everyone who believes in the son of man may have eternal life. So second birth, new life, washing of water in the spirit requires the working of the spirit, but it moves us to believe in Jesus as Messiah. Believe in Jesus as the king of the kingdom. Believe in Jesus as the one who brings God's kingdom. And believe in, God, in John's gospel in particular is not an intellectual word. It's a commitment word. Believe is not a word of, oh yeah, there's Jesus. He's, he's Messiah. But it is, oh, I will trust him. I follow him. I cling to him. My hope is in him. And for Nicodemus, this would be an out and out repudiation of much of his teaching and his heritage. I need this man to make me child of God. I need this man to make me true child of Abraham. I need this man to bring me into the kingdom. I'm not ready for the kingdom. Only Jesus brings me into the kingdom. So as we wind this point down, here are some of the implications, the applications for us. No one is ready for the kingdom without the work of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. No one is ready for the kingdom without the work of Jesus and without the work of the Holy Spirit. So this means we don't accidentally inch ourselves into the kingdom. It means that entering the kingdom is not like um, losing weight, where you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I look great. I'm not saying that's ever happened from this perspective. But rather, entering the kingdom requires a definitive act. And that definitive act is faith in Jesus, that he alone can take away our sin, that he alone can cleanse us with water, that he alone can take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, that he alone can give us the spirit of God to give us new desires and new longings, that he alone can make us fit for the kingdom. So second, God's kingdom is entered only through faith in Jesus. God's kingdom is entered only through faith in Jesus. So who are the people of the kingdom? The people of the kingdom are those who trust in Christ. Third, 
the kingdom of God consists of God's people who are cleansed, forgiven, renewed, and filled with the Spirit. This is a really important point right here. Because a lot of our modern rhetoric about the kingdom talks about, well, we need to go out and bring the kingdom to bear in society. Or we need to go out and bring the kingdom to bear in a neighborhood. Or we need to go out and bring a a particular subset of our society under the realm of the kingdom. So hear this very clearly. Those who are separated from Jesus are not in the kingdom. And those who are separated from Jesus cannot see and comprehend and appreciate the kingdom. It's only through faith in Christ that we are a part of the kingdom. Yet, those who are separated from Jesus can experience the fruits of the kingdom. They can experience the fruits of God's people walking in God's ways to carry out God's work. They can experience the fruits of it, but they can't comprehend what it is until this new birth has happened. I just want to pause here and say this. And this last point about experiencing the fruits of the kingdom, we'll talk much more about that in coming weeks. But I just want to pause here and I want to say this. If you feel the conviction of your sin, if you feel the need for for God to do something definitive in your life to change who you are, if you feel your longings being tweaked and changed to come more and more in line with Christ and his word, then the scripture would say that's the spirit of God at work in your life. And pray, Spirit of God, would you move me all the way into the kingdom? Would you move me all the way to this point of faith where I am renewed and restored and transformed? Some of us today need to take a step toward Christ called faith, which is, is believing and saying, I need the work of Jesus for me. Some of us need to recognize that Jesus has already moved us into his kingdom and recognize that he has brought us to a point of faith and brought us to a point of trust and we are already clinging to Jesus and we need to celebrate the work of the Spirit and the cleansing of the Spirit going on in us. Let me call you today to consider this question. Am I a citizen of the kingdom of God? Am I a citizen of the kingdom of God? And if I am, have I made that known? Have I proclaimed that? Have I identified with that? Have I joined with God's people in celebrating that? So John 3 is a huge testimony that the kingdom, the people of the kingdom are those who have been redeemed and given second birth because of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. And this pushes to our second point this morning. Kingdom life. Kingdom life. One of the big questions that we're going to wrestle with in the next few weeks is, when 
is the kingdom of God available? When is the kingdom of God available? I mean, is, is it available now? Is the kingdom of God just when we fly away by and by and go be with Jesus in the future? Like, when is the kingdom of God available? And John, the author of John's gospel, does something very amazing to us. Is he ties the idea of the kingdom to the idea of eternal life. John ties the idea of kingdom to the idea of eternal life. So much so that the phrase and teaching on kingdom of God only appears twice in John's gospel. It appears here in chapter 3, and it appears in chapter 18, which we're going to look at next week. But, but John attaches the blessings of the kingdom to eternal life. Let's just watch this. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can this be? Jesus said, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So so John shifted from kingdom entrance, second birth, to eternal life, as if they're one and the same. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So entering the kingdom is also entering into eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. That light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So what John begins to do in his gospel is saying that this kingdom that Jesus is bringing is an eternal one. What Jesus is bringing is going to last forever. So in Christ, we get life now and a life that is unending, which means that we enter a kingdom now that is unending. So Jesus has come to do something that transcends death. It transcends the constraints of this fallen world. It lasts forever. So there is an eternal nature to the kingdom of God. This work of Jesus is unending and it lasts forever. The fruits of the kingdom are eternal. Well, but what about now? What about now? It also seems that Jesus pushes Nicodemus to see that the fruits of the kingdom are also observable now. 
This new birth through the Son is available now. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What he's saying there in verse 8 is we can see the evidence of the Spirit's work in the here and now. Go outside, the wind's gusting. Where's that coming from? I don't know. Well, how do I know the wind's blowing? Because my hair is like this, and the leaves are flying, and my purse is blowing across the parking lot. I don't have hair or a purse, but I went with that anyway. His point is we see the work of the wind. We know that it's blowing. Jesus is saying we'll know when the Spirit's blowing because we'll see the work of of the Spirit. Verses 19 and 20 and 21 say, we will see the transformed work of the heart carrying out as as our longings move from evil to good and from darkness to light. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So Jesus is saying, this kingdom's now, and it's going to last forever. Which means, and this is good news, the Bible fits together. It means that that what Jesus is saying in John 3 to Nicodemus is very consistent with what's recorded of him being said all throughout Matthew and Mark and Luke. Jesus' message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Why? Because the kingdom is available now through Christ. So the kingdom of God doesn't need to just be this fun theological idea that we're chewing on, but rather it's God's work being carried out by God's people as they submit to God in God's world. This is God, the kingdom of God coming to bear. And the people of the kingdom are the people of Jesus, which means this, we're called upon to submit to God. We're called upon to love God's purposes. And we're called upon by his spirit to carry out his purposes in his world. Now, a churchy phrase like God's purposes could be very vague. So last week, we boiled it down to two simple phrases. We can carry out the Great Commission to take the gospel to all the nations, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the great commandment to love God and to love our neighbor thoroughly and fully because God has loved us thoroughly and fully. So kingdom life begins now as kingdom people are transformed by the Spirit and begin to carry out God's ways in God's world for God's Glory.